and welcome back to another edition of the SBK betting podcast. And as the racing continues to hotten up, we are looking forward to seeing the three-year-olds taking on their elders for the first time with the Coral Eclipse taking centre stage this weekend. But as we have been doing over the last week or so, we're going to have a think back on what we saw last weekend. And I think it deserves a very good uh, round of analysis and, and review because what we saw was nothing short of extraordinary, especially in the Northumberland plate. The Irish Derby was pretty scintillating as well. And we're just sort of setting ourselves up for more excitement for the rest of the season, I suppose. Tom Collins, Westover. The Irish Derby looked pretty simple, very simple for Colin Keane. I suppose him being on board just gave, gave all their connections a lot of confidence, but did they even need to worry about the jockey at the end of the day? He looked pretty special in that performance on last Saturday. Yeah, it was a really good effort from Westover, a clear career best. And I know he looked unlucky at the Derby and everyone was you know, talking about Desert Crown against Westover again. We kind of needed to see that display from Westover just to prove that he wasn't you know, a one-horse, a one-trick pony necessarily at Epsom. He stayed on past beating horses that day and he kind of had to prove that he was that Group 1 calibre um, equine superstar that many people hoped he would be. What I mean, he won very easily, but what everyone should realise is he did get the ideal trip. Um, he tracked the leader. It was a day where it was super difficult to make up any ground from behind. Tuesday wasn't very efficiently ridden. She was never really put into the race um, and just had no chance in the second half of the field. The first three throughout dominated Yes, Westover was impressive, recorded a racing post rating of 124, but I think he's going to have to step up again from that to beat Desert Crown next time. Yeah, and that next time is likely to be the King George, isn't it? So 11-8 versus 4-1, 11-8 for Desert Crown, the, the Derby hero. He, I don't think, do you think that even if Westover got the, the run-through that he wanted, he would have got even close to Desert Crown? Do you think it's going to be as simple as the... as they'll just rematch and they'll stick that the same placings will remain when it comes to the King George. Yeah, I think that Desert Crown will confirm the placings. I think he's a better horse than Westover. Yes, Westover's obviously boosted his form by winning the Irish Derby. It was a good effort, um, but I don't think he's really proven anything more than we didn't know already. He beat Pittsburgh Dill, who he smashed in at Epsom anyway. Um, Desert Crown won at Epsom with a lot more in hand than the winning margin suggests. Westover obviously finished nicely. He caught the eye as fast finishes do, but Desert Crown was eased down. He was forced to go to the front a bit sooner than Rich Kingscote would have wanted. I think he was valued for a lot more than the, the winning margin that day. And I think he's just a much better three-year-old, so I'll be backing him next time to confirm the form. Yeah, what we know is that the Derby form is uh, stacking up at least and uh, pleasingly uh, for Desert Crown. So we've got a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season, as we hope we might do. For Trushan, who put up the performance, and many are saying handicapping performance of, of ever. Um, Twitter went a bit mad, Ross, um, after uh, the performance on Saturday. And I know that um, we can, recency bias can mean that we, we get very over excited ahead of ourselves. And a lot of the anoraks came out, creeping out to, to prove all the other great handicapping performances that used to happen on a regular occurrence. But I don't think we should underestimate the performance that Trushan had to put in because the race didn't set up for him really perfectly and he was still able to, to use his, his class to, to go away and, and win the Northumberland plate. But what for you, where does it rank in terms of, of handicapping performances? Well, I mean, it, it, this horrible nature we all have to try and compare across generations rather than just saying, what a performance, giving £15 to the field, lumping 10 stone eight, 
yes, his class got him there, but also he got down, he got dirty, and he really fought. So look at it as a horse race. It was a brilliant performance by a horse under a well-to-weight, um, giving lumps away to weigh in a decent handicap. You're looking at the wrong man if you're looking for going over the top because there weren't enough jumps involved for, for, for my taste. And I do remember a certain Denman, but it's terrible that we can diminish a, a performance by trying to compare it. It was brilliant. What it does show is, and lots of people are crying, we can take a really great pair of scissors to the, to the race program and remove some of these sort of group twos, group threes, maybe even a group one and downgrade them and, and try and channel uh, horses into, into handicaps. I think it will perhaps make a few trainers sit up and, and, and take notice. We've all got to pray that Trushan runs to his form next time. That's the final piece in, in, in the puzzle. If he comes out and bombs next time, for whatever reason it might be, you can bet your bottom dollar. There'll be plenty of people saying, oh, well, lumping all that weight in Newcastle as, as, as bottomed in. We need him to come out and run well. And hopefully then a few more will, will uh, be brave enough to take it on. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Do not be scared of, of a handicap. Your class will prevail um, regardless of the weight on your back. And as you say, this is what I mean about setting us up for the summer. We're all sort of praying that, that the, the match off with Stradivarius and potentially Kiprios will happen um, at Goodwood um, for their feature staying race. So let's, fingers crossed, we'll get there. Um, but look, a lot to, to enjoy. I think it really brought out the, the true competitive, competitiveness of, of British racing when we, when we have it. So that was wonderful to watch. Um, but look, we're going to get into the, the real grit of the racing that we've got this Saturday. And I talk about competitiveness and it is disappointing that the Coral Clips, which looked to be a great race with 11 runners at the five-day declaration stage, has only had uh, the six declared this morning. Uh, we've no Ballydoral runners. Um, we've got a real world who has had a setback. And um, we've had a couple of them also um, electing to go over to France instead. So the field as it stands is Verdani, the French derby winner for Christophe Soumillon and Jean-Claude Rouget, who heads the betting as well at six to four, the three-year-old. The next three-year-old in the line is Native Trail, the Irish 1000 Guineas winner. He's seven to two currently. And then we've got the older horses, Baybridge, the four-year-old, four to one. Ryan Moore has uh, kept the ride as there's no Bally Dual runners. Mishrith is seven to one. Alan Kerr is eight to one. And Lord North, 20 to one. No doubt about it that these are exceptional racehorses, group one class racehorses. But in terms of a field size, it is a, it is a shame. Um, from my opinion, and I'll come to you, Tom, first, is that tactically, this could be very interesting. There isn't one horse that I could find in here that is likely to go out and has proved themselves that they can make call. Maybe Alan Kerr has, has in the past and come to that. But just tactically, it's going to be a really fascinating one. And I don't know who it's going to suit the best. Yeah, it's really disappointing that Aiden's taken out all three of his runners, as you've touched on. And the first angle I looked at was the pace, much like yourself. Um, obviously, Aiden had a couple of pacemakers in there, as well as Stone Age, who's now heading towards the Belmont Derby and must have a great chance of following Bolshoi Ballet, who won that race last year for the, um, the Ballet Doyle team. But without those runners in there, as you say, what is it, Alan Kerr going to go forward? Is Mishrith going to make the pace? I mean, it's very difficult to work out what's going to happen up front. And this could race, this race could turn into a dawdle. And if it turns into a dawdle, we know what happens. We don't get a truly run race. We don't see horses run on their merits. And it can become a bit of a sprint, which is not ideal for horses at this trip. I mean, if you fancy Vadini at six to four or 13 to eight, whatever price he is now, 
you're taking a lot of trust in the fact they're actually going to go some sort of gallop because he's likely to be held up last early on, I imagine. Yes, he was running prominently in the French derby, but at the same time, that was a massive field. Christophe Simeon didn't want to be too far back on arguably, well, he knew he was on the best horse, right? So he wanted to be up to the up close to the pace and keep things simple. I think this time he'll sit out the back and look to get cover and you're probably not going to get much pace in here. So he's going to have to go around the whole field. Five really, really talented horses. Um, I think Bedini's a lay in here. Um, he's also only been seen once over this kind of trip. And yes, he was impressive, but he did beat the 113 rated El Bodegon and 115 rated Modern Games who didn't shoot his best shot. So he faces much better opposition, likely not to get the perfect pace set up and has to be opposed at the prices for me. Um, I think the best play in here is probably Baybridge. Um, but then again, we've seen at Royal Ascot, the Bay Bridge can't necessarily come off a slow pace if he's given two lengths to a decent horse. So you kind of want Ryan Moore to be a bit aggressive on Bay Bridge. Maybe he takes out the lead early on. We know that he can he can dominate races. And although they would prefer a lead on him, I think uh, Ryan will be best to be aggressive here. Look, in races like this, horses, that, jockeys that take their initiative and decide to go forward and keep things simple on their horses can often prove to be the best in races. And I'm hopeful that that happens to Bay Bridge. At Royal Ascot, he ran a great race despite finishing second. He tracked through the Japanese horse who just wilted late on um, and just couldn't get near state of rest. He was a multiple group one winner. Um, I think Bay Bridge can bounce back. I think he's probably the best middle distance horse in the country. And hopefully he's ridden aggressively by Ryan Moore. So when he won the Brigadier Gerard Stakes and everything went according to plan, as you say, there was pace set up for him. He was able to just sit there quite comfortably. And then it didn't go to plan that day uh, at Royal Ascot. Ryan Moore, we know, is tactically astute. We know he might have not just got it right at Royal Ascot. So essentially, if he doesn't see there's a huge amount of pace on at all, do you think making all, even though we haven't seen him do this before, Baybridge, do you think that he's got the ability to go out and do what the likes of Gaeth has done and the likes of Golden Horn has done in the past and, and dominate from the front. Yeah, I think he's a really highly talented horse and he seems very simple as well. He's not keen early in his races. He tends to settle nicely. I think there are far worse strategies for Michael Stout and Ryan Moore, but I do have to say they obviously know a lot better than me um, in regards to tactics in, in horse races. So it's going to be fully up to them. I just hope they keep it simple and at the very least stay maximum one length off the leader um, turning in because this horse doesn't necessarily have the rapid change of gears off a slow gallop. In the Brigadier Gerard, as you say, he got some sort of pace to aim up with a Dave going out in front. Maybe Alan Kerr just takes that same role that Dave did, kicks off the home bend. Um, and then, because he's got that proven stamina, right, Alan Kerr, maybe he tries to fend off the rivals that way. That would suit Bay Bridge. Um, but at the same time, you need to be within striking distance, no matter what the pace um, pans out up front. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We, Alan Kerr, will get to that. Ross, look, we've got two three-year-olds in this field. Thankfully that they're they're in here because, you know, this is what we want to see. We want to see these younger horses taking on their elders. Um, I think it's fascinating, especially Native Trail um, at this trip. Um, and for you, is he a horse that will benefit from a race like this and how it pans out? We see that he's a horse that hits a bit of a flat spot. Um, you know, he's a bit of a worry to watch. He's a bit of a nightmare to watch because you never really know what's going to happen. But he's clearly got the gears. What do you think William Buick should be doing on him? I'd like to see him sat, sat handy enough. The, the, the pace is, TC, it, it all revolves around the pace. I happen to think Alan Kerr will go on and make it. I, I, I think if they felt Bay Bridge was capable of making it, they'd have done that last time at Ascot because it was crying out for him just to go on and they didn't. It suggests to me, now maybe they'll, they've come back in and had a discussion and thought we should have gone on and made it, but Ryan Moore's a pretty 
astute jockey and, and he's the sort of character that can make decisions in races and, and, and stand up to a train if it goes wrong. So I think there was a, a very definite, we don't want to be making it with Bay Bridge. So, so that concerns me for him because I think he's going to be caught a bit tap for toe. Um, so I'd like to see Native Trail handy. I think he's okay. He can hit a flat spot, but he's still a miler coming up in trip. He should have more gears than these if they crawl. I think, I think he can quicken a bit better than all of them, apart from maybe Vadini. Um, the trip, I mean, it's a real mixed bag, his pedigree. His damn needle leaf didn't run. She's a half sister to a six furlong winner. She's a full sister to, and a half, to a two and a half mile, 130 rated chaser. Um, so I think he'll stay. I think everything about his run style suggests he'll stay. He was doing all his best work late on at the Curra. Um, and I think if you look, think back to the, to the run up into the guineas from the Craven, he was such the talking horse of the season. He's been beaten once by Caribas, who's no, no slouch, as he proved at Ascot. And yet he's barely talked about, has been slightly disregarded. The Craven run has been boosted. Claymore went and won the Hampton Court, I mean, bolstered up in the Hampton Court stakes at uh, Ascot. Who Yamal is second in the derby. Um, he got caught in a bit of traffic at the Curra. Maybe he wasn't quite as impressive as you would have liked to have seen. I, I think he's been forgotten about. I think the race could be run in a manner that it plays to his strengths. Um, I think you'll see the trip out and yeah, and he get and he gets the weight, which at this time of the year, particularly, you know, he's going to be a big, strong horse now. I think that's, that's uh, key. Yeah, that's a really important point. The elders with nine to nine on their back and these uh, three-year-olds, eight, 13, which will, which will be a, a big benefit at the, at the, crucial stage of the races so uh Vidani for you even though he's proven that he stays this trip but being by Churchill native trail being by Oasis stream it's a funny one that they they don't they shouldn't they shouldn't be doing this they shouldn't be necessarily Vidani anyway um but the given the ground that he got last season looked like he, he stayed fine but do you think that on merit and what they've beaten so far native trail over Vidani for you uh, it was a bit of a pricing as well, Jess. I'm a bit loath. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Vidani go and do it. I wanted to look at the, the three-year-olds because I, I love Bay Bridge, but I just can't see this being run to suit. Um, Vidani's a skinny enough price. Native Trail is a horse I like. A bit more juice in the price. And I, and I still think he's got more to come. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. Mm, okay, seven to two. He's definitely been weighted with for this test, hasn't he? Didn't go to Royal Ascot. They don't want to put him against Caribus. Um, and Nature Trail is uh, here in the Eclipse and is a fascinating runner. We've talked about the pace, we've talked about the tactics, and I don't think that Alan Kerr is necessarily the best horse in this race, albeit he, you know, he's beaten State of Rest, he's gone and franked his form from the Tassels Gold Cup. But just because there is no pace around, I think Tom Marquand, who's a tactical genius and just riding, when it comes to these races and having a mind to sort of work out how to get the best out of them, I think that's the man you want to be with. And we saw him do this with Quickthorn um, back at, um, at Sandown when he won the last time. There was no pace. The horse wasn't necessarily uh, the type that would go on and make all, but he elected to do so and he got spot on with his fractions. And I just think if it's going to come down to that kind of judgment, it's Alan Kerr who makes all and can stay. And we know he can stay. And he might just be able to nip this from the front. And the same way, as I said, we've seen it happen with Gaia uh, in the past in this race. 
Golden Horn, they went out, Frankie Dettori made all, even though he wasn't the kind of horse that had ever done it before because there was no pace. And I think Mukadran did it as well. So Alan Kerr for me, and also at a nice price too, um, at eight to one, plus all his form stacking up, I don't think is a terrible bet in a very trappy looking eclipse. But I think we can all agree we're sort of negative to the favourite Vidani. And um, if you look back at his wins, he needs he he has a lot of holding up at style, um, and I just don't know if this this kind of race is going to set up right for him. So really interesting eclipse this one. It's a shame, as we say, we don't have the the depth that we thought we might do. But uh, as I say, it will be fascinating to watch that unfold uh, at three thirty five on Saturday at Sandown. Now, as we normally do, we've got um, the opportunity uh, next for both Ross and TC and myself uh, to have a, a selection, a bet of the week. There is plenty of racing um, on Saturday. This nap can be anywhere, so outside of the coral clips, um, but we need a bit of detail. So Tom Collins, one from you, please. Yeah, my bet of the week is going to be Sinjari in the 225 at Sandown. Now, he was one of my two or three biggest eye catchers at Royal Ascot. Another one of those is actually running at, at the race previously at, at Sandown as well. Uh, but Sinjari is going to be the best bet. In the Royal Hunt Cup, he was drawn 33, right against the Stanside Rail, the place you did not want to be. You didn't want to be high. You wanted to be middle to low. He was the only horse drawn in the 30s or high 20s that played any part in the finish. He rattled home for fifth. He ran a great race to even get within four lengths of the eventual winner that day. He's proved pretty frustrating in his career. He's far from prolific. He's only won two from 18. He's finished second on seven different occasions. But he's clearly well handicapped um, off his current mark. He's been dropped one pound as well since that Royal Hunt Cup, which I thought was a bit ridiculous from the handicapper, giving him a chance to win. Hopefully this is going to be the day in the 225 at Sandown. Of interest in that race. Is there, a, is there draw bias? Is there somewhere you want to be? He's drawn seven. Um, I've always thought high numbers is where you don't want to be at Sandown in a race like that. Does, do you think that he's perfectly positioned there? Yeah, I think that's a perfectly fine position for him. He's going to sit in mid-div early on. Um, look, he's in the middle of the field in seven, well, mid to high. Um, it's not a massive field. I think it'll be perfectly fine sitting one off the rail and, and going on to win. Okay, so Sinjari, who's a nine-to-four chance at the moment for TC's nap. Um, Ross, where are you looking for yours? So I'm going to sand down the 150, the, the Coral Charge. And I really like the Andrew Balding train, Nymphadora. She had some bits of quite nice form as a two-year-old and then perhaps sort of just tailed off at the back end of the season. She's come back in this year, two, two second-placed efforts. Uh, firstly, at Chester, trying to give four pounds to the now 99-rated Living the Dream. Um, Chester wouldn't have suited her. She's a strong stayer at the trip. Chester, I think, would have been a bit sharp for her was a good second last time at Ascot in the uh, Holyrood House handicap. Um, and she gets £8 here um, off uh, Rossell, the, the, the top rated. Um, I think she's going to stay really well up this sand down track. I can see this really suiting her. She's got a nice enough draw. She's drawn fairly close to Rossell. I think she'll see it out strongly for Andrew Boarding, who's having a good season. Um, so she'd be the nap. Eight to one as well for your nap. You don't mind that. Not at all. Well, we wonder if that will shorten. So Nymphadora 8 to 1 as it stands for Ross's nap. Um, for myself, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I wanted to see if uh, my two horses that I like this weekend, if there was any price disparity that isn't. 
So I'm going to put up a double. Um, Garcia is a horse that I thought I was going to see at uh, Royal Ascot, um, but I think the William Haggis team wanted to avoid taking on their own horse, Candleford, um, and they've kept him fresh for the old Newton Cup um, at Haydock on Saturday at 3.15. He is um, going to be, I have to imagine, at the moment he is 6-4. to four. He could even go off a bit shorter, um, and that's based on the fact that he put up a very good performance on his seasonal reappearance um, at York back in May. They've left him alone. The William Haggis team are very good at pl plotting a bit of the job, and I think that they... They knew that this race probably be maybe his last time in handicap company off a mark of 101. Um, but it's a very good quality old Newton Cup. But I think this this is a kind of a classic Haggis horse that um, is, a, is a group horse in a handicap and he's better than this. He looks like he wants a big field. He's, he's, a, he's a horse that travels very nicely, but I think he'll be held up by Kieran Fallon, who'll leave it late. And hopefully he'll be able to, to take this big prize um, on Saturday. And I'm going to put him in a double with Heredia, who is my horse to take out of Royal Ascot. Yes, she wasn't the most obvious one to take out of Royal Ascot. But again, um, I think that she's just a filly that you, we really haven't got to the bottom of yet. She won the Sandringham in very good style. She did get into a lot of trouble to win it. Um, and Richard Hannon talked about the options that they've had with her to send her to group races, to send her to races of a higher standard, even the Falmouth, but they decided to go for the Coral Distaff, the listed race at Sandown on Saturday at three o'clock. And she's also a 64 chance, but as a double, um, SBK are paying 5.25 to one for the Garcia Heredia double. So we're hoping that it'll be a good day for our um, SBK ambassador, Sean Levy. Um, and uh, let's hope that Heredia can keep maintain her unbeaten record. So those are our nap plays and our double plays for this weekend. Um, we also um, are going to look at our, our play selections as well, um, as SBK has placed only odds on all races. So Horses at a big price, you know, Ross, you like these. What have you found? Uh, not a massive price, but uh, the 315 at Haydock, uh, Brentford Hope. is going to love this softer ground. Um, he's got a good uh, apprentice on him. Uh, Dion LaRue is one from one this season. Claim £7. That takes him down to effectively run off 98, which is his last winning mark. Uh, Brentford Hope is one from one at Haydock. Um, I think you'll make it two from two. Okay, Brentford Hope, the price that we can get you as it stands uh, is 12 to 1, so not bad. Uh, place selection for Ross. Um, Tom Collins, you got something bigger than that? Yeah, 315 Haydock, same race, the old Newton Cup. We've all touched on it. You like Darcy, and look, I've got no qualms with him heading the market and probably going on to win this race. But aside from him, it's 8 to 1 bar, and look, it's a perfect each way race. Perfect race to have an each way. A place play, 17 runners, might cut up due to the weather, but hopefully not too much. And much like Ross, I want to find a horse that likes soft ground because the forecast for Haydock is horrific. It's already described as soft there. Um, and Ravens Craig Castle is the horse that will appreciate Give Underfoot. He ran really well last time out when finishing fourth at air. It was a quality effort in a similar kind of field, barring the fact that Garcia's in this race at Haydock on Saturday. I think if he reproduces that run on going that will definitely suit, I think he'll run into the frame. Okay, 25 to 1 for you there. That's not, not bad at all. Do you think he'll get shorter? Yeah, I think he'll get a little bit shorter. He's really well handicapped. and Maybe he's just that big 25 to 1 currently because of connections. They're not really connections that uh, tend to attract the bookmakers to, to post them at shorter prices. 
Okay, and I agree with you about the ground. The ground is um, really key for my selection as well um, at a pace play, 10 to 1. I thought he might be bigger than this, but this is Percy Jones um, for the one mile six furlong handicap at Haydock at 2.05. This is a horse that I know from the yard is needed soft ground. That's why they had to wait for his first run to be at Goodwood a couple of weeks ago where he just bumped into a really well-handicapped horse, um, was second. I don't know necessarily that day if Danny Muscat elected to be at he was using that far rail a lot of good with that day. And I don't know if that's where you wanted to be. Um, I think this race might set up for him a lot better. Um, he is 10 to one. Um, I'll take that now for Percy Jones. I really like him, especially on this softer ground um, at Haydock on Saturday. Um, so plenty of options, plenty of good prices that we've um, hopefully have found you. Um, we've also, um, as we did last week, and I think that Tom stat attack might've gone quite nicely for you last week, did it? Yeah, we had a winning stat attack. Hopefully the same again this week, Jess. And so what, what, what have you found for us? Uh, just the one stat attack this weekend, and that's Michael Bell. He's seven from 31, 23% with his three-year-olds at Beverly. He has three three-year-olds running out the track on Saturday. They could be worth singles, place plays, but whatever you do with them, make sure you follow and keep a close eye on those three runners because he's got a phenomenal strike rate at the track with his three-year-old horses. Okay, Michael Bell, Beverly. Great from Tom. We know this worked out last week with your stats. Ross, have you found something juicy for us? Uh, a bit of an observation for you, Jess. Uh, at Haydock in the 135, uh, the Robert Cowell train, Little Earl, he's been a non-runner the last four times on account of the ground. They've been waiting for what they see as, as perfect ground, I'm sure, to exploit this handicap mark. Uh, Haydock should have no problem giving him the ground he needs. Nice soft ground. Uh, he's a winner and a second from two runs on soft ground. George Bass is at an 18% strike rate, takes uh, £5 off. I think he's well worth following. Okay, right. Very interesting with uh, soft ground hunters. And um, we've had a few of them this week. For myself, I've been watching a lot of racing up north over the last few days, um, thanks to uh, my job. And um, Grant Tour is a man that I've got a lot of time and respect for. He won the uh, Sunday series last year and he's really placing his horses very well. He's in absolutely excellent form at the moment. Um, he's had um, a stream of winners over the last few days uh, with uh, Sam James, his regular jockey, and Lion Tower. He sends down to Sandown from Yorkshire for the one mile handicap at 2.25. He's got an excellent chance. And the other runner he has is Vince Lombardi um, in the uh, 4.55 handicap. So I think those two horses, um, he's only got the three runners on Saturday. One of them comes from Carlisle, who I think is going to be a huge prize, but the other two are the ones that I'm really interested to see get on well. Um, so Grant Tua, a man to keep on side um, as he continues to do well up north. Um, so something for everyone there. Um, a little bit of um, in-depth analysis and, uh, as we preview the eclipse, which looks to be all about tactics. Um, so let's see if we've managed to uh, break that down right for you guys. We've got selection a difference difference of opinion from all three of us really so interesting there and uh, plenty more from a, a nap and a place angle and a bit of stats thrown into a reminder that new sbk customers can get 30 pounds in free bets by depositing 10 pounds t's and c's always apply hopefully that we've given you a couple of winners here don't forget to like subscribe we'll be back again next week for more previews and as well as that make sure to get onto our youtube channel there's plenty more content like this to come from especially from our sbk ambassadors who are incredibly busy at the moment so make sure to tune in and we'll see you next week